BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey guys, we have two great interviews on today's show. Sean Nichols of Westfield Massacre. Great band, great guy. Stay tuned for that interview. And also Riley McShane of the band Allegion, another great guy. We had a really cool conversation with Riley at Heavy Montreal this year, and I'm going to share that with you shortly. We also have some music by Rob Dukes, a good friend of mine. So stay tuned for both of those interviews. Riley from Allegion and Sean from Westfield Massacre. Before we get into the episode, please, I just want to remind you guys, please support us on Patreon. A $5 a month pledge or more gets you a Talking Metal t-shirt. Go to Patreon, sign up for that reoccurring monthly pledge, and I will mail you out a Talking Metal t-shirt. If you still want a t-shirt and you do not want to do Patreon, you can send me 20 bucks on PayPal. If you live in the United States, I'll get a, a t-shirt out to you. Just give me your address and shirt size, obviously. All right, here's the episode. Again, please stay tuned. These interviews are fun listens. Riley from Allegiant and Sean from Westfield Massacre. Here we go. Hey guys, checking in with you from Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I was just out of one of my favorite independent record stores. It's called The Wooden Nickel. You're in Fort Wayne, where we're out with the kids, visiting Emily's uh, sister and, and stepfather and mother, and uh, having just a great time here out in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as usual. Chilling out, uh, seeing movies, saw Christopher Robbins today. Not bad, pretty good. Reminded me, it was very similar to Hook. Remember that movie with Robin Williams way back in the day? Robin Williams, yeah. But um, anyway, similar story. So anyways, I went to the Wooden Nickel, one of my favorite indie record stores, and I bought Red Fang, the great band I saw up at Heavy Montreal two weeks ago. And the album I bought is the 2016 release, Only Ghosts. If you don't have it, go buy it. 
It's so good. It was so awesome to interview Andy from the bad band Red Fang. Love this band. It, I'm late to the party. I finally discovered them. Five million views on YouTube. I'm just discovering them now. This is Not For You by Red Fang here on Talking Metal. Talking Metal, thank you to Aaron Beam from that band for joining me for an interview at Heavy Montreal. It's up on the website. Go to TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com. My main site that I'm that I'm sending everyone to right now is TalkingRock.net. Please add it to your favorites, TalkingRock.net. You get all the news. We post uh, articles that Victor Ruiz has written, some of them controversial. He just wrote one on Pantera, which got some interesting response uh, and got some people thinking. And yeah, so there you go. He he writes a lot of great stuff for us on, on TalkingRock.net. Victor Ruiz of the Mars Attacks podcast. Yeah, so check out his, his writings and his editorials on TalkingRock.net. Check out my stuff. I'm posting videos, 
like a, a recent video uh, interview I did with with Andy of Red Fang. It's posted on TalkingRock.net. I don't know if you can hear the dogs barking in the background. There's two crazy dogs here at Emily's uh, mother's house. So, um, yeah, where was I? Yeah, I posted a video interview that I shot up at another great festival called 77 Montreal. It's a punk rock festival. I shot an interview with the legendary Joe Keithley up at 77 Montreal. He, of course, is from the punk rock band DOA, 40 years old. I mean, craziness. Wow, punk rock's 40 years old. Crazy. But uh, yeah, tons of great stuff and great content on TalkingRock.net. I know I'm biased. I know it's my site, but I, I love it. I love the stuff we're getting up there. Emily and, and John Ostrowski, a.k.a. Astronomy, back in the fold doing some podcasts with me. Love reading the comments from Jerry from Long Island. He's always posting comments up there and some of you other guys. Thanks for all the feedback. Please leave some comments on that site, TalkingRock.net. Let's get into our first interview, which was also recorded at Heavy Montreal. Riley McShane from the band Allegion. And I I enjoyed this interview. We kind of went off in some different areas. Talk a little Pokemon, you know, something I don't usually talk about in in my interviews. He's got a great, Riley's got a great Pokemon tattoo that my kids love. My seven-year-old wants to get one himself, so there you go. Uh, my kids are Pokemon crazed, I tell you. It's, 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 getting, it's getting really crazy. They're out there right now. You can probably hear them screaming and yelling. They're playing with their cousin right now. The card games. I love it. It's card games. I love anything that gets them off the freaking iPad for a, a few minutes, you know? So anyways, here we go. This is Riley from the band Allegiant, great band, and this is their cover of Rush's Subdivisions, followed by my interview with Riley McShane, Recorded at Heavy Montreal 2018. Here we go. Oh, yeah, and I just wanted to mention that the reference to kissing at the beginning of the interview, uh, we had sitting right next to us where we were trying to do the interview, this guy was was making out with uh, his girlfriend or wife or somebody um, really going at it. And I think it was the guy from 70,000 Tons of Metal and, and his redheaded friend a very attractive looking woman so yeah that's what um was going on there all right here 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 you go subdivisions followed by the interview
<laughs> I'm in the kissing sounds. You, got, you guys can talk, that's good atmosphere background. But if I hear like, I'm gonna. Check, check, check. My wrath will be unleashed. I just did that into his ears. I feel like an <laughs> asshole now. I don't like <laughs> you stop being such an asshole? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are here at Heavy Montreal with Riley from Allegion. How are you, Riley? I'm doing well, man. Doing and, well, having a blast so far. And uh, have you played the festival before? No. no. No, this is our first time here. Cool. Cool. Well, well, good luck. I can't wait to see the set today. Yeah, thank you, man. And I got to start off the interview by asking you, Intense nerdship. What yes. is that's what it says in your Twitter uh, <laughs> handle? What is what does that mean? What's the meaning of intense nerdship? Intense nerdship is, I mean, oh, where do I begin? So it is uh, my. I don't have any children, right? But if I did, I feel like they would be less important to me than most of my favorite video games. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm just a huge fan of video games and anime and comic books and, right. and just a anything that kids get made fun of for in like middle school, that, yeah. is, that is my jam. I love right. it. Right. Um, I actually just got uh, Beast Ganon from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time tattooed on my hand. Okay, Very cool. recently. Did you so. play um, Pokemon when, when you were younger? Or does, does my Gengar tattoo oh, answer your I question? Gotta, I gotta take a picture of that. My, <laughs> my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old, he's getting into it too, but I go, I take them every Sunday to these tournaments. Yeah, the Pokemon Go it's tournaments. Intense. Dude, yeah, it's Dude, it's yeah. pretty real. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I love it. I'm, when Pokemon Go first dropped, I was like so excited. Um, and uh, I'm, it's, it's been really cool watching that game develop into like where it's at now where it's like kids are like legitimately like meeting up and going to tournaments and like yeah. battling their Pokemon in real life with each yeah. other it's like it's I feel like it accomplished exactly its purpose which was like taking something that's usually like a really introverted hobby like playing video games and sitting right. on your handheld and stuff and like really making it a real world connection where kids can like and adults can like meet up with each other and make friends and yeah. like expand their network. Yeah, because there are adults at these tournaments. Oh, it's mostly yeah. kids, but there are adults, teenagers, yeah. and it seems like a cool community. Yeah, and it's it really, happens it's... in the local comic book store. In yeah, town, so cool. So you guys are touring, and what are you about halfway through the the Al summer slaughter? Tour? Almost exactly yeah. halfway yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah, and is this a break from the tour, or a lot of the bands from the tour are kind of on the bill? Most here of the bands month? are on the yeah. bill for sure. Um, cool. But it is, you know, nice to be at a at a real festival, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you you're in this studio uh, working on a new record, or is it done? What's the status of so that? So that is done. We just got uh, Master's your third record with last the band, week. Right? Uh, my second record with Se bands. Oh, okay, your yeah, second record. My right. second record, band's fifth record. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, we just got Master's for it, like last week, the week before. Um, it's sounding super good. Right. Um, you know, we uh, we're we're still tossing up ideas about the release date um yeah. but it's 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 rip and ready to go man i'm i'm super stoked on it cool and i thought it was cool that you're using patreon that's something i use for my my podcast and we've had great engagement from from our listeners thanks to you guys thanks for supporting talking metal on patreon and you guys are using that for financing of the 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 album uh not financing of the album um because we do still get uh our advances from from our record label for metal right. blade um, but what we use it for is to, you know, really help us stay afloat while we're on tour. It allows us to get out and tour more and have a better face-to-face -face interaction with, uh, you know, the fans, uh, supporters or not, you know what I mean? Right. Be able to just get out there and, 
and, and get a little bit more face time with the people that support the band, however they support the band. Uh, and the people who support us directly through Patreon, you know, they get those extra little incentives, um, you know, that we're changing all the time, uh, right. you know, just to keep things not necessarily interesting, but keep things, you know, rewarding for those people. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to go the extra mile and support, you know, an artist or a podcast or a radio station or whatever it might be, I feel like you kind of deserve that, that extra bit, you know? And, and that's, that's really what we want to do with the Patreon is, is provide a fan club type uh, platform that gives people a little bit more back for what they're giving. Right on, right on. And musically, the direction of the new record, is it in line with previous releases or are you going someplace different with this? So the, the core sound is definitely right there with you know all the all the other Allegiant records we're not really drifting away uh, too much from you know what Allegiant has always sounded like Uh, but we do definitely have some sections that I would say are heavier than anything Allegiant has ever done in the past okay but also more melodic than anything Allegiant has ever done in the past Um, you know there's like really super crushing like super heavy riffs that are just being like you know ripped apart on these you know low tune seven strings Um, you know, our new bass player, uh, Brandon Michael, a.k.a. Boo Boo Money, is, uh, you know, really bringing his A-game to this record. Cool. Uh, and then, you know, I've been experimenting with a lot of new vocal styles, like super low guttural stuff all the way to, like, really low-volume, mellow, kind of floaty, clean stuff, um, which there are also sections that cater to that as well. So definitely heavier stuff, more melodic stuff, but keeping our core sound, you know, close to the chest and you're working with uh, the same producer that yeah you uh david taro out david of flatline taro. audio cool so after the summer slaughter tour is there a break for you guys or are you yeah yeah there's going to be a little bit of break in the action we've been pretty much on the road since last november there have been a couple months of downtime here and there but that downtime has been eaten up by writing and recording the new record um so we're gonna take a little bit of time generate some content for the new release um you know stay off the road for a little while just to you know help us you know build up a little bit more demand um don't want to oversaturate the touring markets and all that good stuff yeah we're gonna take a little break focus on the new release and and make sure that when it does come out it's going to be the best release possible cool and your cover the rush cover got a lot of press and people excited are there any covers on this record or any covers in the future sort of uh we definitely want to do more uh like prog rock kind of style covers for sure um We've also talked about doing like some alternative rock and some like, you know, early era death metal covers as well. Um, but the cover, so to speak, on this album, I think is going to be something that uh, is going to throw people for a little bit of a loop. Really? Uh, okay. Oh yeah. And it's uh, it's very, very, very impressive. And I will say that it is actually instrumental. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting. Cool. <laughs> leave leave us uh, leave us wondering. On yeah. That. Yeah. Excellent. And before I let you go, you mentioned comic books. To take it back to that, what comic books are you currently reading? What are you excited by? Um, you know, after the New 52 ended, uh, that kind of halted a lot of my interest in American comics, but I'm always reading Japanese manga. Uh, I just got the newest issue of Berserk. It's one of my favorites. I also have a Berserk tattoo on my oh, neck cool. up there. Um, and uh, I've been reading Berserk. Uh, I've been going through the uh, My Hero Academia manga and the Tokyo Ghoul manga as well. Um, yeah, both those those three have been taking up a lot of my time. Berserk has been it's is kind of on the back burner. It's right. been going on since like the '90s, and 
issues come out very rarely so when it does come out i grab it burn through it in like a day and then go on to the stuff that's getting a little bit more uh you know regular releases (laughs) cool cool well thank you so much for your time and have a great set at heavy montreal and uh, we look forward to the the new album hey man thank you so much thanks for talking
of Mind and Matrix by the band Allegion. Support these guys. Allegion is spelled A-L-L-E-G-A-E-O-N. Support them. We'll have the links up in today's show notes. Support my friend Rob Dukes. Rob Dukes, former singer of Exodus, current singer of Generation Kill. He's also got the Fragile Mortals, highly overlooked record with Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC fame. It's great stuff. Yeah, so let's uh, hear a little Rob Dukes, and then we will uh, come back and talk with Sean Nichols in just a bit. Rob Dukes. Go buy his EP on iTunes. Support my friend Rob Dukes. 
so much great material from the Exodus stuff to the Generation Kill stuff to the Fragile Mortal stuff, and now he's got this great EP out that I highly recommend. Really good. A little bit different sound for Rob. It's not it's not the, the thrash metal stuff. It's not even the Generation Kill stuff. He's kind of got his own own little thing going on here, different musical style. What a diverse musical guy. I mean, he sends me stuff via email sometimes. Sometimes it's like stuff with synth and stuff. I mean, he is such a, a really true artist. He isn't just a metalhead. He does all sorts of great music. And wow, what a, what a talent. Rob Dukes, of, formerly of Exodus, here on Talking Metal. And that song was My Whole Life. Go buy it on iTunes. And last but not least, definitely not least, we have on this podcast Sean Nichols, a vocalist who, listen, uh, like what's that website, Sleaze Rock or whatever it is, uh, they they did a uh, a really in-depth interview about his whole scandals with Quiet Riot and stuff. And I, you know, I don't really go into that much. We touch upon it in this interview, but I was really just curious to get to meet the guy. We have some great conversation about his his current band, Westfield Massacre, which they have a new song out, which we're going to hear after the interview, Famine, which is just great. Really good. Really good. Stay tuned to hear that. And, uh, you know, he was yeah involved with Quiet Riot, Rat, Stephen Adler. So uh, knowing that, the, the Westfield Massacre stuff is definitely a different style for him, and I think he is just killing it with the song that I heard, which, again, is called Famine, and you're going to hear it shortly. So stay tuned for that. And that's about it. That's about it. Let's get into uh, the song Road Rage. This is Sean Nichols' version of the song here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with Sean Nichols.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and checking in with us on the line, we have Sean Nichols of Westfield Massacre. Sean, how are you? Great, man. Good to be here. How are you? I'm good, man. And I was, you know, I have to admit, I wasn't overly familiar with Westfield Massacre, and I knew a little bit about your history. So when I clicked on the the music video, which was just posted today, August 3rd, I I was just... uh, blown away by the aggression of the song. I mean, it starts out fiercely aggressive, and then it hits this big, hooky uh, course, I guess I'd call it. It's it's really great. I really am sincerely digging the song, and it wasn't what I was expecting from, from you. Um, how did you get involved with Westfield Massacre? I know you've been with them a while now. What, over a year at this point? Yeah, we've been working together since, uh, I believe, June of 2017. And um, I came in contact with the guys because uh, I kind of got back into the scene after a long hiatus. And I was asked to play some shows at the uh, Whiskey for the Ultimate Jam Night. Right. And uh, I met up with the guys. And, you know, they had been working with Tommy Vex, who sings for Bad Wolves now. And I guess they were at a transition point where... Tommy was moving more in the direction of Bad Wolves, and they were just kind of wondering what they were going to do. So I got a chance to record my voice to some of their music, and I sent it over to them, and they listened to it. They were like, wow, this is great. We got together, and next thing you know, we started collaborating, and they had a national tour lined up. Uh, they, They called it the North American Meltdown Tour. It was a headlining tour across the United States. And uh, so I jumped on board to fill in for the tour, and it was just great. We gelled. Everything was, the chemistry was there. And we came back home, and we started working on songs for the new album. Cool. And the song I was referring to is called Famine. Again, there's a great music video out for it now, and I believe it's on Bandcamp. Is it up on iTunes and Spotify and stuff, too? Yeah, it should be everywhere. Um, Okay. a concerted effort with our label Nerve Strike Records to make sure that this release gets out everywhere. Cool. And again, the song is Famine. The band is Westfield Massacre. And Sean, tell me, when can we expect a full length? Can you fill me in on any details you have on the full length? Is there a name? Is there a a street date announced yet? Uh, There's not an official street date. Um, We're working toward an October release. Uh, We're trying to be respectful to the Kickstarter fans. Uh, The band, before I joined, had ran a successful Kickstarter campaign and raised over $35,000 to record their record. Wow, that's Um, great. And when Tommy Vex uh, left the band, it put the band in a situation where they didn't know if they were going to be able to deliver to the people who had supported the financing of the album. So, um, and there was a lot of, you know, drama because they're like well what's going on here and then it was like oh now they got a new singer who is it we don't know this guy so there's been a lot of confusion and a lot of picking up the pieces and reorganizing for the band but you know that's you get into a situation you're working with people who all have talent and all have vision and there's a lot of people um rooting for you and then you know and raise the people and there's just all these dynamics Right? So you got to balance all the dynamics and put it all together in a way that works. And we're really happy to uh, finally have something that we feel confident enough to present. Uh, and we're just really hoping that people like it. 
Yeah, cool. And again, the first single, Famine, is out now. It sounds just fantastic. And this band is musically, I would say, a different style than anything that I was associating you with. Is that A, is that a true statement? And B, do you, well, let's start there. Is it is this a different music style for you? Yeah, I definitely, definitely. When I first heard Westfield Massacre's music, I was blown away. I was yeah. like, holy, oh my God. It was so heavy. It was so aggressive, so intense. And uh, like you said, I mean, I've been, I, I got known for singing Guns N' Roses and Rat and Quiet Riot, you know, these old legacy uh, rock and heavy metal groups that have a totally different sound and a totally different style. So there was no objection, even in the band, they're like, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, can I yeah. do it? Right. Uh, but we got together and we started taking a closer look at the music and it turned out that my vocal stylings just translated perfect to this style. And there was just like this light bulb that went off. I was like, why didn't I think of this sooner? Why didn't I do this sooner? And for me, I think there was this pressure for most of my career to do something that's quote unquote commercial, that's quote unquote, you know, appealing and, and that everyone's going to like. And to go too heavy is like, oh, you don't want to go too heavy. You might alienate people, you know? Right. Uh, what I found is that going deeper into this sound and going deeper into this power and exploring that aspect of, of my voice personally has been the best thing that's ever happened to me it yeah. completely liberated me <laughs> you know i just finally i can take it to the you know to the outer limits and and really explore um what i'm capable of as a singer and now what we're capable of together as a band yeah and that was actually my next my next question it's like you're going places vocally that you've really probably never been to before at least not with quiet riot or adler's appetite or or rat definitely and what was interesting just over the trajectory of my career is i mean joining adler's appetite was like oh my god the first thing people are saying they're like can he actually do that i mean can he sing you know can he do axel can he right. do welcome to the jungle you know and it was like that was like a, a, a major feather in my cap like yeah he can do it and you know same thing with quiet riot i mean you listen to those songs and they are some of the most vocally challenging and demanding songs ever recorded um i i was just i had to rehearse for several months before i was confident enough to step on a stage with quiet riot because those songs are just absolutely through the through the roof you know high high register, power, grit. Um, Westfield Massacre was the next logical evolution for me right. as a singer. Um, it challenged me. It took me to new, you know, pushed me to new uh, limits. And I'm just really excited because when I listen back to it, I'm like, wow, this, this is good. You know, it just, I had to really come unhinged and almost like forget everything that I knew 
Uh, Sean, I also wanted to ask you, uh, just, you know, there was so much drama that have been attached to, you know, your your story with Quiet Riot and 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 Bobby with with Rad and even going back to Adler's Appetite is being that this is kind of a different genre, different style of music with Westfield Massacre. Are you are you relieved to kind of leave that behind and and maybe the the Westfield Massacre fan base isn't aware of all that stuff and and is is it is it uh, just a relief to kind of not have to be in that scene anymore? Yeah, I think there is a lot of relief. Um, I think that you want a band is tough, you know. Uh, there's a life cycle to it. You know, you start out and everything is is great, especially when things start taking off and you know you start building up a fan base. It you know takes takes things to a new level, and uh, you know those groups they've had their their peak. They peaked out, and you know they're just kind of riding things out. And there's a lot of politics and a lot of uh, dynamics that play into being a part of a band like that. With Westfield Massacre, it's still open. It's still fresh. It's still new. It still is on its ascent. You know, it's yeah. moving toward its peak. And uh, there's a lot more excitement in it for me uh, to be involved with that type of energy. You know, so yeah, I am happy to be involved in a project that. Um, you know, still has has to spread its wings. You know, um, absolutely. And it's it, it's different. There's a lot more work to do. You know, we got a lot. We got to go out there. We got to make new fans. We have to get the music out. We, we can't just. Um, it's not a shoo-in that we're going to show up and play for a bunch of people who have already been listening to the songs for 20 years. <laughs> we're hearing it for the first time, so we got to make sure that it reels people in and it grabs them from the, from beginning to end. So it's doing this with the guys. Right on, right on. And, you know, kind of just to review some of your history for, for the listeners, you were more recently working with Bobby from Rat fame, and is that completely done? You're not going to be doing any more work with him, or are you still kind of involved with him? Uh, I talked to him uh, maybe three or four months ago, and, uh, you know, he's still got things cooking, and uh, we're friends, you know? Cool. I'm friends with Bobby. Um, I try to stay friends with everybody that I work with. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not because I don't want it to. It's just there, there are egos in this business, and there's politics. So, um, yeah, as far as Bobby is concerned... I'm really happy that I got to meet him. I'm glad that I got to work with him. It was awesome to uh, to play with him and, and his version of Rat. Um, you know, I grew up with those songs, and so, you know, I was happy to do it, and I'd be happy to work with him again. So I try to keep my... I try to keep my doors open for, for anything positive in music, you know, because I'm not just a, a musician and a singer, but I'm also a fan of this music, too. You know, I love... I love heavy metal. I love rock and roll. I love music. So any chance I get to make it with someone who has been making it for a long time and knows what it's all about, I'm all game. Right on. And was there any songwriting or any demos or anything you did with Bobby when you were working with him? 
Not personally. Um, Bobby had mentioned that he had been working on uh, some material for a new album, and we had talked briefly about possibly recording that together because uh, I do have a recording studio and I have been producing music for over 25 years. I, I grew up producing music and that's like my forte. So we had discussed working together in that capacity, but nothing ever came to fruition. Cool. And is it true you once tried out for Stone Temple Pilots? Is that is that something that actually happened? Yeah, that is something that happened. Um, I had been out of the game for several years, and um, a friend of mine, you know, he called up. He goes, man, Stone Temple Pilots got this online submission thing where you could submit. And he's like, dude, I think you're the guy, man. You know, you should record something. So I went into the studio and I recorded uh, two songs that I had downloaded from the Stone Temple Pilots website, and uh, I thought it sounded pretty cool. And I sent it over with a, a bio, and you know, I went through all the formalities, and I just never heard back from them. So <laughs> uh, I guess I, I followed up, and I guess they did find find a guy. I can't remember his name right now, but supposedly he's a pretty good match for the band. So I'm real happy for those guys. Oh yeah, absolutely cool. And again, we are talking with Sean Nichols from Westfield Massacre, a band that everyone needs to check out. We'll feature a little of their music later in the uh, in the podcast. And you know, I don't want to go too much into the the Quiet Riot drama because I know that's pretty much all that dirty laundry's been aired. But I did just want to follow up on one little point. And I know you had been possibly involved in some some legal battles with them to receive songwriting credit for the work you did on the Road Rage record. Has that been resolved? It's as resolved as it's ever going to be. Okay. Um, Fair enough. They tried to they tried to take my my writing credit from the songs that I wrote, and uh, it was underhanded, and it was it was just flat out wrong. Uh, so yeah, I, I fought them. I dug my heels in, um, with, with my attorney and, you know, against their attorney. And the way it stands now is that I own the songs that I wrote for the road race record and I hold those copyrights and I'm, you know, protecting them vigilantly. So, um, I'm happy that they started someone new that they could move forward with. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that I wrote, uh, material while I was with the band and I'm holding on to my rights with that stuff. And it's, it's that simple. I'm not trying to stop them from doing anything. And, um, you know, the fact that they tried to take my song down when I put it out, cause I wrote the song road rage right. and I re-recorded it with, with new, uh, instrumentation and a whole new sound, something that was, there no resemblance to their version whatsoever. And they right. went out of their way to try to get it taken down. And it was where I had to draw the line and I had to, you know, push back with some, some legal force. You know, so yeah, unfortunately it went there, but it is what it is. It was a great learning experience and, you know, I'm prepared if it, if it ever happens again. <laughs> right on, right on. And earlier you mentioned your involvement with, uh, Stephen Adler, Adler's Appetite. Now you did, uh, what, like three, four years with that band? Yeah, I think from, from top to bottom, it turned out to be more like five or six. Oh, okay. Um, but it was, it was spread out, you know. Uh, we'd get together, we do some uh, some performances. I, we went to South America, then there was a big hiatus, then we went to Europe, and there was another long hiatus, and then we did a U.S. tour. And, um, yeah, so we had a few different episodes over a span of about five 
or six years. Cool. And do you ever hear from any of those guys, Steven or, or Chips Enough or any of those guys that you played with in the band? Yeah, I love Steven. I love Chip. Uh, those guys are so near and dear to my heart. Um, I spoke with Steven Adler's brother, Jamie, who's a very sweet guy. And uh, we've been friends for a long time, long before I was ever even in Adler's Appetite. Uh, Jamie and I would see each other on the Sunset Strip, hanging out at the Rainbow, the Roxy. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, Jamie was really cool. When he found out that I was touring with Westfield Massacre, he gave me a call on the road uh, while we were on our North American Meltdown tour, and we had a really nice conversation. And so uh, those guys are just great. Um, and uh, they actually had called me to see if I would be interested in maybe taking part in their most recent uh, tour that they did. And, uh, unfortunately I was, you know, wrapped up or fortunately I could say I was wrapped up with, uh, Westfield massacre in the studio mixing the album. So, uh, I'm glad that those guys have found someone that they can work with as well. Cause they're great guys and they deserve all the success in the world. Awesome. Cool. And I read somewhere online that a long time ago, I guess when you were a kid, Kevin Dubrow once came over to your house to, to do some work with your dad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read this. And, and I just wanted to ask you, yeah. what, what did your dad do? What, was, what, was, what line of work was he in? Or what does uh, he my do? Dad was a record, my dad was a record producer. Uh, oh, wow. My dad worked with a lot of the bands from the 80s, a lot of the bands that, that I love, that we've all grown up with, uh, Rat. Scorpions, Rick James, Dio, uh, that's Ronnie James Dio. Uh, I was actually, I, I believe I was five years old. I was sitting in the studio watching Ronnie James Dio belted out behind the glass. Wow. And, uh, he was definitely one of my early inspirations. You know, I, I remember watching him and I'm like, man, I want to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, the power that he sang with just inspired me and really set the bar. So when I started practicing, as a kid, um, I, I knew what it needed to be. I knew the, I knew where the bar was, you know, and it helped me to become a better singer and to become who I am today. So, um, yeah, my dad also worked with, uh, Van Halen. Um, wait, so who's your dad? What's his name? Then, uh, his name's Danny Tarsha. Danny Tarsha. Okay. He owned prime track recording studios in North Hollywood, California. Wow. He was there half a mile North of Sherman way on Laurel Canyon. Uh, for 17 years, uh, he was he was big in the uh, uh, Music Connection magazine. I, he started advertising with that magazine in, in their first year of publication and uh, was with them for 17 years. And, um, yeah, he became a major player in the recording industry. Uh, Chris Stone, the owner of, uh, of, uh, of the record plant, uh, offered to buy him out <laughs> when he was doing really well. And uh, he politely declined. Uh, and he, uh, I, we, we bought our first uh, recording machine, our 24-track recording machine, from Wally Hyder. Uh, Wally Hyder is like a, you know, a titan in the recording industry. Right. Wow. And um, yeah, it was like you know a lot of deep history there. So here we go. You know, I'm I'm like an infant practically, like one and a half years old or two years old. And uh, my dad had originally came out to Los Angeles from Arizona because he signed a, a publishing contract with Evan Archer and Peter Asher, uh, two really big guys in the industry. And uh, he had signed a deal with RCA Records. And so his singer 
left the band to go back to Arizona. And he was here. He has a record deal with RCA and he's looking for a singer. <laughs> so right. they put their, they put their feelers out and who comes walking through the door, but Kevin DeBro. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> right. So yeah, Kevin DeBro, I guess quiet riot was defunct, you know, at the time and Kevin DeBro is looking for something new. And so he came and auditioned for my dad's band, which was called Tarsha. And, um, I guess they, they worked together and they, they played a few shows together. I, you know, I wasn't, I'm not aware. I can't remember this stuff, but I've got the stories from my parents over the years. And, uh, yeah, um, they actually worked together and Kevin DeBro was at my house and working with my dad and singing my dad's songs. And, uh, they worked together for a period of, I believe a couple months. And do you know what year that, would this have been like the early eighties or, or don't you really remember? Yeah, this would have been yeah. the early eighties. Yeah. So, uh, we're talking, this would have probably been between 19, um, yeah, about 1979 and 1982. Right. That so would have been the window. That, which makes sense. Cause Randy Rhodes left quiet riot and went to, to over to the UK to work with Ozzy. And at that point, Technically, Quiet Riot was was defunct, and then he re- later reformed Quiet Riot with, of course, you know Carlos and and Frankie. So, yeah, interesting, interesting history and how it all ties together. Then, yeah, and then my dad also recorded another band you might have heard of called, called Rough Cut. Oh, of course. And uh, yeah, Rough Cut was in the studio uh, working on their stuff, and um, he also recorded uh, Mark Turin with the Bullet Boys. Uh, pretty much, I mean, that was a different era and a different time. Back then, music was, it was just different. It was more alive, you know? The yeah. scene was just bristling with, you know, with talent and, you know, excitement. And, you know, this this scene has become world-renowned. I mean, it was happening right there you know, at my dad's studio. A lot of the people that recorded there, there was like a circuit of recording studios, you know? So he wasn't the only one in the game but he was definitely one of the big players and had all the professional equipment and professional facilities. So people were in there recording around the clock. I mean, um, I remember for at least a decade, uh, my dad's studio was booked around the clock, 24 wow. hours a day. Wow. In, and as they're packing up and loading out, there's another band packing up and loading in. So it was, it was incredible to witness. And, uh, it was just at the end for me, you know, but, Probably by the time I was 14, it was up, you know, and I joined my first heavy metal band when I was 15 years old. (laughs) Wow. I I couldn't get enough, man. I I lived through it, and, you know, it just, it took root in me, and and here I am, you know, all these years later. Right on, Sean. Rocking it. Yeah. (laughs) So it's cool. And you are definitely rocking it with uh, this this new track here, which we're going to play, Famine. This sounds just absolutely outstanding. Congratulations on on the, the new music you got coming out. We can't wait to hear the, the whole full-length record. Mark, thank you so much, man. This has been great. Great talking with you. Yeah, great talking with you.
Westfield Massacre here on Talking Metal. Thanks to Chris Aiken for turning me on to Sean. He sounds like a great guy, seems like a great guy from our from our discussion, and I hope to talk to him again in the future and hopefully talk to another member or two from the band Westfield Massacre, because I'm digging these guys thanks to uh, being introduced to them by Sean, or actually Chris Aiken, I guess. So there, there you go. Chris Aiken, of course, the classic metal show. All right, that's going to about do it for this episode. I'd like to remind you guys that we are on Patreon, and we are. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the pledges we're getting there. Of course, we're we're gunning for more, and that supports everything I do, from the videos that you see to the podcasts that you are hearing, like this one right now, to the maintenance of the website, to helping me. Uh, pay Victor to contribute to the website, write his great articles that he does, which he's doing, quite frankly, almost for free. But I I try to send him a little love. And all that money from Patreon gets distributed to to all the great stuff you... Well, at least I think it's great. All the the stuff we put up on TalkingRock.net and TalkingMetal.com. I apologize. There's dogs barking in the background. Nothing I can do. Need to get this episode up. So please join me on Patreon means the world of course of course you can also do paypal donations or use our amazon links which uh if you're in the uk canada or the united states you just go to talkingrock.net or talkingmetal.com and uh, use those links to go over to amazon and do your shopping as you'd normally do cool and that's going to do it for today on talking metal i appreciate your time your support leave us a good review on itunes that would be appreciated okay and I did want to say good luck to everyone who's doing the Pod, uh, Pod and Rock Expo this year in in uh, Nashville. Unfortunately, I can't make it. Uh, we already had a family event planned that that weekend, then my grandmother died. So we're actually having my cousins and everyone's flying in for a memorial for my uh, grandmother, uh, Polly Jewett, Daisy Jewett. Um, she passed away. So yeah, yeah. Good life, though. Yeah, she was 90, 95, 95, and I would say she got 92 good years, which, wow, can't go wrong with that, right? And we will definitely miss my, my grandmother. So on that note, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Let's hit another song. What do I got for you guys? Let's, uh, let's hit a little Chemis, K-H-E-M-M-I-S, Chemis. A band I I was turned on to up at Heavy Montreal. They destroyed the place. This song is called Candlelight. And that's going to take us out. That's going to end the episode. Support Chemist. Go buy this track on iTunes. At the very least, go listen to them on Spotify. Talk to you next time. Stretch into 